Welcome to episode 9 of the podcast and today we're going to talk all about carbohydrates, the ultimate carb episode. So we'll discuss the different types of carbs, what we use them for, how our body uses them. We'll talk about carbs for performance versus aesthetics. We'll talk about carbs versus fats as energy sources. And do carbs make you fat? So it's going to be a very interesting one. The big question. The big question, yes. Um, But I think, first of all, we can talk about sort of the different types of carbohydrates and uh, take you back to biology in high school. (laughs) Um, So the, the three main types of carbohydrates, you have monosaccharides, which just means one sugar. Then you have disaccharides, which means two sugars. And then you have polysaccharides, which means many sugars. So monosaccharides, think um, glucose and fructose. Disaccharides, think of sucrose and lactose. And polysaccharides, mm, there's different, I mean, people sort of classify them differently, but one way I like to think of them is like digestible ones partially digestible ones, and then non-digestible ones. So non-digestible ones, you can think of cellulose, you know, so a lot of like plant fiber that your enzymes just cannot break down. Um, Partially digestible, think of something called inulin. Some people take that as sort of a, like I guess a digestive supplement almost. And then digestible is starch, glycogen and and dextrin and that's carbex i was like oh how exciting that's what carbex is (laughs) so it's a polysaccharide but it's easy for your body to to digest um so those are the main types of carbohydrates and i mean we mainly use them for fuel that's what carbs are um and you know our well, I think Andy is, he is the king of his sort of blood glucose and insulin, insulin. and all of that. So he, <laughs> yeah, he's going to take us through sort of, you know, how our body regulates glucose um, and things like that. So Andy, over to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, funny, just to think about carbex and how it's a, it's a psych, large cyclic dextrous, which yeah. is right. So the important thing to realise is the branching of a uh, for glycogen and glucose molecules means that when we store it, it's used as energy. Unlike if you get dextrose powder, which is just dextrose powder, it's got to be branched to be used mm-hmm. by the body. So it means it takes a little longer to digest. Anyway, let's talk about yeah, let's talk about uh, blood glucose. So. Obviously, all all carbohydrates are turned into um, essentially glucose. Even you know glycogen. You know it's stored carbohydrates are stored as glycogen by the body, but to be used as a glucose because a glucose molecule is. And the way the body uses it is glucose. So a glycogen molecule holds thousands of glucose molecules, and it's kind of like a, a piggy bank of glucose. Um, so glucose is used the base form molecules used by the body, uh, broken down to, because the, the energy we use is from the carbon, the bond between the carbon atoms, which is created by sunlight, 
in the making of living living uh, plants. So there's these carbon bonds, which is the energy. So we, and the body needs to break down glucose, but which is done by the liver. So with blood glucose, so what happens is we eat our carbohydrates, go to digestion, but we get moved towards the liver, which then starts this sort of process of blood glucose. And the liver stores some glycogen, like a muscle does, in order to keep some level of blood glucose. So there's about a thousand uh, calories worth of glycogen within the liver to help the blood glucose process. And blood glucose is basically the energy, glucose molecules traveling in the blood in order to be picked up by cells. And cells pick up, um, I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible, but pick up glucose using a transport cell, within the cell, a uh, transport mo molecule, which cling onto the glucose and bring it into the cell for energy. So, you know, we'll talk about T3 cells, the storage cells, which when we start storing blood glucose is glycogen. So, you know, all we've got is glucose going around the body. Nice, you know, at, if it's at an ideal level, not much happens. You know, insulin is then put into the system to help store what the transport cells aren't using. So all our cells who need energy, because uh, we move our arm or whatever, they're going to pull out that glucose while we're you know, using their transport molecules, drag it into the cell, use it for energy. But then what happens is, all that happens, and then we store up our glucose. What's then meant to happen is, our body releases insulin, the pancreas, in order to control how much glucose is floating around. So we don't want excessive levels of blood glucose because, you know, because of you know, things like diabetes and you know, all the factors related to that. So what happens is insulin increases. And the role of insulin is to start storing that glucose into cells, into muscle as, you know, glycogen by the T3 cells. So, if we've got too much blood glucose, our body has to keep producing insulin, which you know, affects pancreas. It means our body loses its weight in the sense of, how do I keep up with this insulin production? So we just keep pumping up more insulin. And then, you know, we end up with too much. And, you know, we, we then start storing too much uh, glucose. So what happens is we end up with this seesaw, you know, this sort of roller coaster of energy levels. And as we know, certain cells require glucose as an energy source, red blood cells and brain cells only use, unless they're in, a, like, for the brain, if you're in super starvation and you're going to die, it will start breaking down other things. But generally, all other times, it will use only glucose as its energy source, and same with red blood cells. So that's why, you know, we see um, when people have been diabetic going hyper or hypo, there is an effect on, on, on brain chemistry, you know, yeah. people get off, especially being hyper, you know, it's almost like someone's drunk. It's because of too much 
blood glucose getting traveled to the brain and you know the insulin you know it's just trying to shuttle it everywhere and you know so what happens is insulin then starts storing excessive blood glucose because your blood glucose is high and then that's what becomes body fat because it will convert to fat eventually if you've got excessive glucose and you filled up your glycogen stores glycogen in the muscles is about 3,000 calories worth and you know once that's filled yeah. we don't need to store anymore you know and what's that meant to happen is it then starts to get stored as fat cells right within the fat cells so when it's excessive and that body can't deal with it properly you just keep you know keep storing it, it becomes fat or you know and other issues happen I think that's it in the most basic sense. Yeah, I think it's like our body's priority is to fuel the brain. Um, yes. you know, that it's its number one priority. And if carb, like carbs is the preferred fuel source for that, but like Andy says, it can then, if there are no carbs, it will find a way. And, you know, proteins can be turned into uh, glucose as well. That's gluconeogenesis. Um, and so, so can fats. But carbs are the preferred fuel source. Um, so that I think that leads us into something that a lot of people talk about in the sort of carb world, and that's the glycemic index of food. Um, and so a lot of people are like, oh, you've got, you should eat low GI carbs, or you should have a high GI carbs. And so basically, GI index is a measure of how quickly and also significant, significantly a certain food affects your blood glucose levels. And very generally sort of the less processed a food is um you know the the lower the gi number so it's the, so it takes longer for you to digest so you can think like what legumes um whole, whole, veggies whole yeah whole grains and then um higher gi foods are like bread uh sweets things like that um i mean fruits you know, this is where sort of fruits can get that sort of bad reputation. We're like, well, it's got a higher GI index, but you've also got the fiber in there. So GI is also affected by, you know, what do you eat your carbs with? You know, if, if they're with a fat and protein, that automatically lowers, you know, its, its impact on blood sugar. And like Andy has just discussed, we want to keep blood sugar relatively stable. And so you can get, you know, insulin spikes. Like, you, you've probably all had that. You've had, like, a packet of Haribo's, oh, yeah. and you'll get, like, a serious insulin spike, blood sugar spike, and then kind of a crash. So you, you want to keep it stable throughout the day, if you can. And that generally means, like, as we always say, you know, have a balanced meal. You're not just eating carbs by themselves. You know, you'll have them with your your protein and your fat and if you've got you know a lot of fiber in there that slows it down as well so you know it's yeah gi is not the be all and end all and you know i mean the only time that i've sort of heard and seen sort of research for low gi carbs is for pcos where it has shown to be helpful and maybe you know for diabetics as well in managing yeah. um, their their blood glucose levels, but you know normally you would want to minimise your sort of higher GI foods anyway. 
um, just as part of a balanced diet, you know, not to be living off, um, <laughs> yeah, processed food and sweets and things like that. But, you know, having, you know, rice is generally a higher GI food, but rice, rice is life. <laughs> um, and to think about, you know, fruits. You also don't eat rice on its own. No, no. It's going to eat a big pile of rice. Well, I would eat rice by itself. I mean, I, well, yeah, rice and ketchup is, is I, I wouldn't mind some. Yeah, rice, rice and ketchup. Oh, rice is just... I, I could eat rice, but you just don't. Exactly, yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the thing. You... Rice with a little bit of salt would be lovely. Yeah, yeah, but you always somehow just find something that... that goes with it it's like oats i guess the same you, you yeah, got some, yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess that's just to just to keep in mind like when you hear i don't know people have such polarizing opinions on like good carbs bad carbs yeah. and it's it's like okay yes there is lower gi carbs but if you're overall looking at making you know having balanced meals you will be okay and but just to realize that that's what does cause that sort of insulin spike when you do have higher uh, GI foods. And it's just for, I think that people, that's a good, um, like what you've said, because I know people who are like, well, uh, I'm sure even you guys have gotten clients who are like, but you know, brown rice is better than white. And it's, this is exactly what Claire is talking about. There's no like brown is better. It's, it's just a- I always say brown rice tastes like crap. It does. <laughs> Yeah, you have this. But have some fiber with it. You know, as a thing, it's not, it doesn't have to be, you know, we're talking about meals. And yeah, as long as you've got a good fiber source, which is slow to break down, you've got a little bit of fats in there and the protein in there. Anything slows back down in the stomach because, you know, a high calorie meal, you know, you have to digest it more. Um, in the fiber, it's mainly, not me right, a lot of that GI index is, you know, affected by fiber yeah. yeah you know fiber just slows down everything so if you're having you know something like rice or even bread you know, if you're having it as part of a meal with things like with vegetables and you're not overcooked vegetables like you know <laughs> with things like oh. you know salads or like well yeah quite some nice good bit of you know broccoli you know cabbage whatever but still quite fibrous you'll be fine yeah. you know yeah yeah, because that's, I mean, that's the whole white brown, it's, it's just the brand, it still has its fiber, but that's that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm always quite quite honest with that, like, eat things that you enjoy eating. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like if, way, if you, yeah <laughs> making it slightly better for you is in, you know, increasing fiber. Yeah. Because meals should be enjoyed, food should be enjoyed. You know, the fact is, that helps you digest it as well. Yeah, because... If, you, yeah, mm -hmm. if you're not, yeah, if you're not salivating... Yeah. <laughs> You're missing a whole bit of the process of digestion. Yeah, I'm actually yet to see to find anyone who likes brown rice. So no, if you're a yeah. listener of the podcast, <laughs> no, I'm just I, like <laughs> like all like clients who we've had the brown versus white conversation. It's more of a I heard someone say. Well, or it's always I sort read. of drilled into you. Yeah. Oh, always have brown bread. I I love white bread. Yeah, oh so, my goodness. <laughs> If any um, of our listeners <laughs> like brown, just well, it's part of that whole diet culture kind of thing. You're just you're told, sure. oh, you know, eat the brown well, version. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the only problem with white bread in Kenya, especially, is it's so popped with sugar. Sugar, man, it tastes amazing. <laughs> honestly, 
Like, every time we have a loaf of white bread in the house, it goes in seconds. Oh, yeah. Kids go, like, go mental for it. But, you know, that's brown bread's better as a parent because it doesn't get eaten within minutes. <laughs> like, but, and then that's the only thing. So, like, the white bread in Kenya is so sweet. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. And then if you go to a proper bakery, you get a nice, like, yeah. bread. It's great. Yeah, I, but if you just buy it at the supermarket, it's like, ooh. Yeah, I guess I guess brown brown sort of carbs are, are better when you're dieting because you you just don't want to have too much. <laughs> you you end up eating, but you would you wouldn't really have too much or enjoy it. So. Well, I think that's another episode like yeah. about sugar and it being addictive, but we will not go on that tangent. No. Um, but you know you know that uh, I always see that truck and it's called like butter toast. <laughs> yeah. yeah just, so tasty. But I mean, it's just like the name, the marketing is on point for that thing. Like, I follow that butter toast and I can just yeah. taste it. This is so it, is, it is so tasty. Like, <laughs> it's like crack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you toast it, put your butter on it. It is. It's so, it's so much. It is. It's so sweet. Plus, oh. it's creamy. Sorry. Um, we, no, we got a power trip. Uh, oh, yeah, we can Kenya. hear it. It's so annoying. <laughs> Sorry. Internet on stage. I see you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're still here. Is the crack. <laughs> just amazing. <laughs> yeah. If you ever come to Kenya yeah. and you have butter toast, you'll, you'll never go back. <laughs> <laughs> it lasts in this house about two minutes, I think. Because yeah. the staff like butter toast. Everyone. The kids like butter toast. I can't have it because I'm on prep, but if I was in off-season, I might even have a slice of it. Yeah. Mm. Um, so if you remember back to the cardio <clears throat> podcast, where we were talking about the different energy systems, you know, that kind of, you know, exp- you know, understanding carbs and understanding the energy systems is really important. So remember, we've got the three energy systems, we've got the ATP PCR pathway, we've got the glycolytic pathway, and we've got the oxidative phosphorylative one. And it's all about ATP. And if you remember, that's the body's energy currency. And we, we glucose is is broken down into I think a, I think it's glucose six phosphate or something. It's that phosphate that yeah. is used to um, create ATP. So, and carbohydrates are the body's preferred fuel source for that. Mm-hmm. So, if you remember, I mean, yeah. the energy systems are always kind of uh, interlapping, they, they interplay with each other. And because they, you know, like ATP kicks in first, it's the quickest one, you know, then it goes into the oxidative, and that's where you're now using glucose. And then as you carry on, now you use. Um, sorry, that was the glycolytic. Then you start to use other fuel sources, you know, as your glycogen runs out. Yeah. It's important to understand that the role of glucose in making macro molecules. Mm. So a macro molecule is one's ATP, as we're discussing, one's DNA, which is really important, and then you have RNA, um, which a lot of people are starting to understand because of the Pfizer vaccine that affects your RNA. Mm. Um, and then there's NDA, NADPH, which is to prevent oxidative stress. So these are macromolecules, which are super important in the body. They're made by carbohydrates, ATP being one of them, which is then used for this energy conversion. So we're always 
there's always a, you know, we're always breaking compounds down and then building them. So it's, you know, it's, you're going from glucose to glycogen and then glycogen to glucose all the time. And I mean, these have fancy names. You've got <laughs> glycogenolysis, where you're now turning glycogen to glucose. And then you've got glycogenesis, where you're going glucose to glycogen. So glycogen is the stored form of glucose, as Andy said, and that's in the muscle and in the liver. So if you, if you need, um, you know, and then with, with insulin, you, your body can, you know, if it needs glucose, it will break down glycogen. And if you've got too much glucose, it's going to be stored as glycogen. So Andy touched on briefly how if you've got excess glucose, it can be stored as fat. And that's by a process called de novo lipogenesis. And, but it contributes a very small percentage to yeah. body fat. It's very small. So everyone's like, oh, that's how carbs make you fat. It's like, well, no, it's actually a very small percentage, but it does happen. So yeah. you know, when you look at um, like low carb diets, high carb diets, and the interplay of carbs and fat on storing body fat, it's really interesting as, you know, you, you've got a limited amount of glycogen you know, like Andy said, in your body, your body fat is your main energy source. Because if you didn't have that, if you ran out of glycogen, you'd die pretty much. You know, you, evolution has come up with us storing, you know, most of the energy as body fat. So the, the intake of carb or fat will then affect the metabolism of carb or fat. So when you are having more carbohydrates in your diet you're going to use more carbohydrates for energy you'll have more insulin and insulin actually impairs fat oxidation and lipolysis which is the breakdown of fat or we want to call fat burning so again that's where people are like oh well then that's why carbs make you fat and there's a whole theory of the carbohydrate insulin obesity model and that's what they say but you are still eating fat and you know on a high carb diet so the body is going to preferentially take that fat straight into your body fat storage because there's very little conversion required and yeah. then that so i mean that kind of it does your brain in a bit so a high carb diet means more insulin which is actually going to impair fat oxidation and sort of fat burning but the fat that you do eat is going to go straight to your body fat so if you're <laughs> then that all goes down to what we've talked about before which is calories in calories out it's all about your net energy and this is why this is why i do like you know in macros because it means you can balance that quite well um the fact is, you know, the body wants to use glucose as energy, you know, glycogen, glucose, but you, it gets used up quick, especially if you're doing endurance sport. So we need that body fat as a, a, a longer term storage solution. It's a bit like having stuff in your house, but also maybe having, a, you know, a big yellow storage container somewhere with stuff you don't need so often, you know, it's there and we, we use it. The problem is, is, you know, it's there for a purpose, but 
if we keep just adding to it, we end up with like being a hoarder. You know, you can't get through your house. So it's um, you know, that's what we just got to you know think about. It's just a little balancing, and you know, having a balanced approach to food. You know, if you if you just living trying to live your healthiest best life, you know, you you just have a nice balanced approach. You know, you you have moderate carbohydrates. You have a good level of fat. You know, from decent fats, and you know, you have protein. And then your body is going to be happy with you. It's not going to you know have excessive fat storage. It's going to have just enough. It's going to have your glycogen storage of you know four thousand calories stored. You know, that's that's kind of what you want. You know, obviously things like diabetes and insulin issues do change the landscape a little bit because we end up just storing more and more, not via choice. Um, but yeah, as you said, you know, most you could have, you can approach it any way you want. If you go with a high fat, low carb, if you're still in an energy surplus. Mm. You're still going to be storing fat because you, you know you are not using it up as energy at any one point. You know, so if it's not used, it gets stored. And since we have fat cells for that very purpose, that's what's going to take it. You know. Yeah, I mean that's what ke- you know keto people are like. Oh, well, if you're eating more fat, you're burning more fat, which is true. You are, yeah. but you're also storing oh. more fat. <laughs> You yeah, know, it's, 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 <laughs> the magic number is still calories in, versus yeah. calories out. You know, and this is the thing. You know, being keto, you all generally happens when people start first losing weight. I love the keto approach. I do well on keto, not because, um, probably because I got you know dodgy blood glucose. Um, but you know, you still need some carbohydrates even when doing keto. You know, for your brain and your blood cells. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If you're still excessively eating, you're still going to get fat. You know, you just, you know, you're trying to use lipids instead of carbohydrates as your main fuel source. And your body will, because they're adaptive. But it doesn't mean you're at your optimal. You know? And if you're still in calories, and I've seen it, I've seen people do keto where they're banging in, you know, wake up coffee with a lot of butter in it then they're going oh yeah sausages and bacon oh like, yeah well delicious yeah i don't know i imagine coffee with butter you know tastes disgusting but it's um, actually really good yeah, yeah it i just don't like coffee but uh now when we get on to that means you know constantly saturated fats and all these fats and you're like it's still calories yeah. it's not quite a lot of you know and per gram, it's more calories. So therefore, you end up in this trap. Where if you're not, even on keto, you should be monitoring your calories yeah, in versus yeah. calories out. You know. Oh, yeah. And then you find a lot of people still add, you know, ketones because all the ketone supplements out there are being sold by the. Uh, yeah. Everyone and preaching then, ketosis. Let me make you laugh. I've, I've had arguments online about ketone drinks. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same as having a Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're exercising, you know, so if you're, if you're saying your your chosen energy source, your body's going to be a lipid, it's going to be a yeah, the ketones. fatty acid, right? You are using ketones to sort of replace that as the energy source, yeah, because yeah, that's what the energy source. Is. So you're using ketones. There's no difference to just drinking glucose. 
Like Ellen Lucas, they score. Yeah, you know, they say, oh yeah, no, I'm doing it and I'm going to lose fat at the same time. No, you're not. No, that is an exogenous energy source coming into your body, which has calories. Yeah. Being no. like when you, know, you have a Lucas 8 sport, you know, which you're in, you know, you're just taking that glucose, you know. I know, like, when I was growing up, it was brilliant. If you were ever ill, the cure was a Lucas aid, right? You would get, like, honestly, in the UK, and you know, people listening who, you know, when I growing up in the UK who are similar to me, like, when you were, like, off sick, someone would always bring you a bottle of Lucas, <laughs> original Lucas aid, the one that doesn't taste quite as nice, right? <laughs> and you would drink that, and... Yeah, for energy essentially, and it was like almost seen as some, not like a miracle cure, but like, <laughs> it's part of the big sick process, like you know, to give me a bit more energy. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, right. <laughs> no, but you're not using, you're laying on the sofa trying to watch daytime TV rather than going to school. Yeah. You got your Lucas Aid. You that's just not, that's just energy you're not using. Yeah, then <laughs> probably get umped on sugar and start thinking, oh, I'm feeling better. Oh, that's better. why. That's why. It makes you appear like you've got more energy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you don't. You just put up, you know, put up your blood glucose insulin spike situation. So just remember, it, whether you're on high-carb or low-carb diets, it doesn't matter. You know, the calories in, calories out is still going to determine whether you gain or lose weight. Yep. But... If you're high carb, low fat, or low fat, high carb, it is going to affect your performance. So I think that takes yes. us nicely into using carbohydrates for performance. Because if you remember the energy pathways, the you know they they kind of kick in. Like if you're now using fats for your fuel source, that's pretty slow. It fat oxidation is slow. You know so. If you, I mean, yeah. you're if you're into sort of sports performance things like that, or you might have experienced it yourself, where you're training or you're out doing exercise, you just feel like you've hit a wall, and that's you running out of glycogen, pretty yeah. much. So, keep. I mean, keto is not the best dietary approach if you're into no. sports performance at all, because, like I've just said, that's a, it's a it's a slower, less efficient pathway for energy. Um, so if you, yeah, if yeah. you have to ask, ask the Olympians, go to the Olympics and say, who's keto here? Mm. The answer would be no one. No one, no. Uh, no one, because it's just not optimal. Now, yeah, and that's an important thing to understand that, you know, carbohydrates are our body's chosen energy source. So if you want to improve performance, you need your carbs. That's that best way is via, you know, glucose. It's, you know, quick creation of ATP, you know, and go uh, yeah, because like well, the ketone process is a lot lot slower and very inefficient. And then also things like you know when we break the, when we you know run out of carbohydrates or low carbohydrates, we we then start breaking down proteins. You know, because proteins are built of amino acids, we can't store amino acids. So therefore, to get amino acids to then turn into an energy source, you know, as we say, you know, um, we have to then break down uh, the amino acids and we use those. So, you know, which then affects performance because you're going to be weaker. 
you, know, you don't have, you know, that sort of, you know, muscle endurance. You know, you, you, you know, your muscles get broken down. You're more likely to be injured. You know, there's lots of things that go with that. You know, people don't think about. You know, that's why on when you run the marathon or you doing a major endurance event. There is usually at various stations things like Earth uh, is still now, but last time I ran marathons, you found an ice, you know, one water station, one ice star station, and you would, and you would carry carbohydrate gels. Because what you don't want to do is start then getting down into having no glucose left, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and no glycogen left. So, yeah, if if um, fats were with body's energy source, you would have ketone drinks at these things, but you don't. Yeah. You have carbohydrate drinks, which is a clear, yeah, you know, someone somewhere who knows what they're doing has decided carbohydrates are better than, you know, for the energy than having, you know, a bottle of olive oil at every stop. Which, which is, I think, a very, like, a very good point because a lot of people forget you need to sort of replenish the glycogen before yeah. it's over. But, uh, you find it's it's why, I guess I'm sure even you you know when after you train or your last meal like you like having your carbs at night because you train in the morning so you know replenish the glycogen stores, so when you go into your workout you know you you can perform and what most people do where you hear oh I'm tired today oh then you ask what you ate and you know it's it's just not optimal and you find it your glycogen is just way way too low. And a lot of people, that's one thing I guess you need to remember. Just replenish your glycogen. Use your carbs before it runs out. That's why, like yeah. you said, with the, with the running and cycling, they, after every sort of few meters, they take the drinks because they, they have to. Otherwise, you start getting the muscle cramps, you know, too much nitrogen in the blood, and it, it's, it just exactly. doesn't work. Exactly. Um, that's why I think it's a knock-on effect. If you... As we say, there's only 3,000 calories worth stored glycogen mm -hmm. within muscles. Yeah. On average, yeah, it varies between people. Yeah, imagine some of the bigger bodybuilders have really bubbly muscle that probably more. Mm -hmm. They build up over time. But generally, so you, um, it's a knock-on effect. So you get one day where you, you, your carbs are low. If you don't then replenish on the next day, it's down. So when you finally do need to use a glycogen, your, your levels alone, you know, because it's been a knock-on effect all week. You've been yeah. using without replenishing enough. Yeah, you kind of want to go into a performance event with full, full glycogen, decent blood glucose levels. You want your liver full of glycogen with its spare glucose as well. You know, so you want to be maximised. This is why, you know, when I was growing up, you know, People used to say, big pasta meal the night before, mm -hmm. you know, in the morning, have some carbs, you know. And I used to, I used to religiously perform rugby games every morning, have two wheat bits in a bowl of porridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. With so much sugar added, <laughs> it's pretty much the sweetest thing you've ever tasted. Yeah. Oh, really? and, yeah, delicious. No wonder my blood glucose is the best. No, <laughs> but I would do that before every game. And, you know, and the night before you have a carb, I remember running marathons and binging on pretty much a big bowl of pasta the night before. Like, yeah, huge. But there was 
there's method to that, you know, it's probably not ideal for, you know, instance like that evening, but if you were to have a, a good meal with a lot of um, carbohydrates the night before with fats and protein, and then same thing in the morning, just to know that you are full, so you are your peak performance. So then when you're running, say, you can pick up your uh, carbohydrate, you go plunge into darkness. Yeah. You, know, you, you have your um, yeah, your carbohydrate gels, you have your ice star drink or Gatorade or whatever it may be, um, as you run around. And yeah, you're just topping up those glycogen stores. You don't want to hit the wall. You will hit the wall yeah. eventually in a marathon, but a lot of other, like if you're running a 10K, you shouldn't probably hit well, yeah, if you've got enough, you know, uh, if you take some energy um, gels with you and you ever eat them properly, you probably won't hit a wall in a yeah. 10k race. Yeah, yeah. I ran a few 10k races and never hit a wall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about in general, like nutrition, just being balanced throughout the day, but if you're looking to enhance your performance, then, you know, now it starts to become more important, like the different types of carbs you eat and when. Um, yes. You know, so like the gents were just saying, if you're someone who likes to train in the morning, but you don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. and eat your Weetabix and oats combo, you know, you can make sure you have a, a high carbohydrate meal the night before because I, ca I can't remember the exact percentage, but you know, your glycogen stores and your muscles won't be that depleted in the morning at all. You know, and then if you're training on that, you can just make sure you have, because now you know about the cyclic dextro, dextrin, sorry, you can have that as your sort of intra workout, you know, just to keep, you know, to keep your performance high. And then after you've trained, you want to replenish your glycogen stores, like Leon said. So by having more carbohydrate, insulin is going to say, all right. You need to take that glucose into the muscles and the liver, and that helps with your muscle recovery. So it is really important if you want to, you know, really enhance that performance to see where in your day you're training, where to eat carbs and to eat like, you know, different carbs. Like you can eat sort of the slower, the lower GI carbs, like an hour or so before you train, and then maybe some fruit like half an hour before you train. So that's where it is good to know about the different sort of GI um, yeah. indexes of food yeah. um, and to, to manipulate that, you know. And again, if, you know, a lot of people try and keep a lot of their carbs around the workout because that's when you're going to use it more. Um, yeah. That's my, that's what I tend to do myself. And I tell my clients to say, um, the bulk of your carbohydrates around your training window, if you're going to train in the morning, that the, the pre-training meal is your last meal at night. Yeah. And you should try and do that as close to bedtime as you can sleep well with. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, I always say, if you can, let's try and have almost like pre-digested carbs for, uh, before training. If, you know, if you can't eat a full meal, eat early, maybe have something like a, a smoothie where we've pre-broke it down through blending. So, you know, you break down a lot of the, you know, like, you know, in the fruits, you know, the cellulose, all that, you know, the fibres in the fruit. And, yeah, we try to do that because 
it's better to always have something before training if you can. Yeah. If you can't, it's set. You know, you should have it before, you know, the night before. And also, you know, make sure you're hydrated. Yeah, that's the other thing with training first thing. You do need to probably take a rehydration sachet or something because, you know, the, the glass of water you have may not hydrate you fully and you're likely to test it. That's a different subject. Yeah. Um, so, I always say, round your training window, majority of carbs. Post-training could be, you know, I just eat the same meals because stuff like that, but if I was, you know, in a full-off season, you would have your sort of quicker, quicker absorbing carbohydrates post-training as well to quickly get shuffled in. You know, things, this is why people like cereal post-training or cream of rice post-training mm-hmm. because it is a quick release. It is. You know, it is. It's, it's out, you know, very quickly absorbed into the, you know, the blood glucose and then can be shuffled in, into the muscles. You know, and you're at your sort of optimal replenishment stage post-training. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, that is what you can, you know, want where to be. So you always got glycogen in your muscles to be ready. Mm-hmm. And then you replenish it straight after your session. And then your other bills are just to top up what you've been using in between. Yeah, that's why my post-workout meal is my favorite meal of the day. I, 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 I look forward to it uh, every day because of my cereal bowl so yeah, choco shells yeah because mm. after because after my post training meal uh the rest of the meals it just goes to a lesser amount of carbs and then yeah well if it's a training day obviously the the last meal I, i'll have my protein and probably seeds if we have any but it just gets less and less but my rice pre-training and then post-training is just where my bulk of carbs is to replenish all of you. Yeah, I think, and I always say also, it's good to have the same few carbs to pre-bed. Yeah, if oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because of what we talk about with sleep. Huh. Yeah, because don't forget, how carbs are used to shuttle the, the amino acids across the blood-brain barrier. Yeah. So, you know, trips are fan. We want to shuttle that across to create serotonin, melatonin. So yeah, so this kind of how I structure it, and as I say to to think clear, I don't know if you earlier before we started recording was with all my clients, not all actually, but with most of them, um, rest days are lower carbohydrate days mm-hmm. because they're less active. Yeah. We, there's a lot less glycogen to have to replenish. Yeah. And all, all that diet, I would say, is built around training performance. Yes. You know, it's, we're not necessarily, we're, we're keeping activity levels high to burn fat and we're manipulating it to lose body fat. But generally, we want the best training sessions we can get out of ourselves every yeah. single time. And I think any sort, if you're into any sports and, uh, you know, whether it's uh, endurance, bodybuilding, uh, strength sports, you really should consider your carbs. If anything, put them more around your training rather than, and even maybe sleep time, especially if you're, you know, you're into the sport, it's it's part of your job. Well, it gets gets interesting now when you go into aesthetics. Yeah, it's it's different. It's it's different and it's not. It's not, yeah. (laughs) Because... If it's aesthetics, you're trying to 
maintain what you've built. And like we've always said, you, you were trying to keep the muscle and to keep the muscle, you still got to be signaling, signaling to the body in your training sessions that you need it. Mm -hmm. You know, so you actually need your performance to still be good when you train. And that can be hard yeah. when your carbs are getting low. But just like we we're saying, you can still choose where you're going to eat those carbs to, to fuel that, that your session of the day. And like before I started taking Carbex, I would hit that wall, you know, in the training session and it would be a pretty yeah. terrible session. But when when I took Carbex, I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. And I, I'm really looking forward to using it in my deficit because, yes, it, it, it might be a little bit painful thinking, oh, I'm giving my, my, my carbs to this drink. It's not fulfilling or anything, but it's enhancing your performance, um, you know, and... and Maybe you're going to be burning more calories in that session because you can perform better for longer. So, you know, you can still you can still manipulate your carbohydrate intake and timing around your session to, you know, make sure that your performance is as good as it can be. But I mean, you guys yeah. as bodybuilders, I think it's interesting how, you know, you can really yeah. you know, manipulate your carbs, especially around, yeah. you know, peak week, show day. Um, yeah, I think in general we've got to realise that for every gram of stored glycogen, you need four grams of water. And that is what gives the muscle a look, as in, so imagine a muscle's like a water balloon. Yeah. And what you're pouring in is like salt water or sugar water. You know, so you have like the dissolve, it's going to go in there, but you know, what you want to do is fill that up so it's nice and and tight, <laughs> but you don't want it. You don't want it to pour out over the top, but you also don't want it to be half filled and look saggy. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we just keep pouring that the sugar water in until we find the right level. And that is what the half is. It's like filling up like a bucket. You, you know, you don't want to overfill it, spill it all over the floor. So you know, and when you hear people talking about my bills, he's spilled over. You know, and I've done it, you know, this is why mock peak weeks are quite good, because different people load, you know, have preferred loading methods, but we don't always work with everyone. Um, so, you know, you can back load on a, on a prep week, on a peak week, you can front load, you can moderately load across the week, and it's all very individualistic. Yeah. You know, some people will slowly fill up, and look great by show day. Some people need to be have carbs thrown at them, almost spill over a little bit, and spend two days getting back to that sort of right level. But yeah, you know, you, tell us your your uh, methodologies, Leon. No, I uh, I remember first. I guess learned the hard way. First competition, I was almost too full. Second one. No, first one I, I I wasn't full enough. Second one, yeah, just slightly, but it's it's. I guess it's the same where. With the previous ones, even one I I didn't pick too long. It's very individualistic, like you said. Some people have yeah. a peak week, some don't need a peak week. So yeah, for I think was the second one the prep was good because, unlike the first one where I over cardio, this one was. Well, I played with the cardio depending on how I looked. 
and uh, had a uh, help from a friend who coaches in the UK, so it it, it kind of helped. So when I felt like I spilled over, you know, got into the cardio, worked yeah. out the rest of the water carbs. But it's 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 amazing how when you just have too much carbs or less carbs in a few hours, you know, when you're doing your check-in sort of photos, you can really see the difference the carbs make. And, uh, well, also, it just depends individual to individual because also everyone have prepped, yeah. some have had to pick, some honestly did not need to, to pick. And sadly, a lot of people, I don't know why guys run to cardio first before you know, the food and cut out all the carbs and increase all the cardio when you need the carbs for your performance. Well, that's the thing. I believe in cardio. So, like, you know, at the start of, you know, depending on how you're going to do your peak week load, you, you should, if you if you got cardio in, it means you're not ready. Exactly, yeah. Right, on peak true. week. So, therefore, there's no point loading at all anyway. Don't try and have a peak week. Just get shredded, and you've got a few days there. So, yeah, I mean, you might, you might, you're probably going to go to show running flat. At least you be in condition. As we say, the thing is with this whole balloon spilling over is what people who don't know much about bodybuilding is your muscles got a certain level of detail. You know, like when you tense your muscle, you'll see like you know, boosts and curves. Now, when that's with glycogen. You lose all those intricate details. <laughs> yeah. So, for people listening or watching, the important thing is understanding that you want those details in. So, you, there's the fine line of having your muscle big enough to see that detail. But lean so, not enough. small enough, it looks like it's not full and you're flat and you're, you know, which makes your skin a little saggier because it's not been pressed tight by the muscle. But then there's too much where your, your skin's tight and you're full. But you lose all the detail in the muscle and you look smooth, round and smooth. But, you know, so what you want is, you know, you've got to see someone like Dorian Yates. Yeah, look at Dorian Yates on the computer. And you'll see, like, you know, the styrations in his muscle, the little lines, that, you know, but you can't see normally until you've got, like, a really thin skin and your muscles pressed against it. So what you don't want is when the muscle spills over, that gap between the muscle and the skin fills with fluid. Because it can't be stored in muscles, excess fluid goes somewhere. Yeah. And you know, people try to say that with, you know, promovers try to say that with diet. And all that tends to happen then is it also takes the fluid out of the muscle. As we know, you need a certain amount of fluid to glycogen ratio and I, so and i think also a lot of people have noticed do you know the excess cardio or the interesting carb ups because they follow a lot of pro bodybuilders who have exactly exogenous help <laughs> yeah so you see smaller guys trying to do yes. what say a pro bodybuilder different because i don't think a lot of people can get away with back loading carbohydrates saving you know you see like some pros having yeah. burgers and fries the night before show yep it be you know but they can get away with it is in fact that you know they've got bigger muscles so therefore they have a way higher calorie threshold than you do yeah right? no, and, and sodium. what happens is 
you know, smaller guy who fight better a lot. It's slowly across the week. And when we reach that right point, stop. No more carbs. You're there. Stop most of your activity. Just chill out, relax. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just have like rice cake with a bit of peanut butter. Yeah, I, I like second competition. Uh, my friend was helping me out, and I'm like, "Yeah, can I? You know, do do I need the burgers?" And he's like, "You no man, <laughs> you just just <laughs> just carry." Because I was like, "Are you like are you serious?" Like, yeah, you just just you don't need. Trust me, you don't need. Just carry the rice cakes. I had my rice and my steak in the morning, and then yeah. rice and chicken breast. And he's like, "Just just keep to your." usual peak diet and carry your rice cakes you'll be backstage we'll we'll work with it as the hours go by and i was like no burgers and fries it's like oh okay i guess i don't need it's like you don't need that much sodium you you trust me you, exactly yeah so compared to what i'd done previously where you know you see the pros and it's men's physique guys, but obviously they're also on some stuff and you're yeah, like, yeah, guys still. yeah, after pre-judging, I'm going to have my big square burgers and fries and then wait to fill up and look like a monster. But yeah, it, it's... <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't happen. Yes. You, know, you end up, if your muscle bellies aren't enough, you end up still in the time. The fact is, yeah, you don't even need a lot of protein in peak week. All you're doing is manipulating those carbohydrates, yeah, and, carbs and water, yeah. it's a really it's a fine line between hitting it and missing it. And you know the problem is, yeah. And to, to most people, you won't even notice. Like you'll see someone who's overfilled, and to the general public, they don't look much the same. But on the bodybuilding line, that we're against guys who hit their peak perfectly. 100% on, you'll notice, you know, you go, oh yeah, he's, he's flat, or he's, he's he's really full, but I can't see, he looks like a smooth bowling ball, yeah. you know, we've lost the detail in the abs, or the, you know, wherever it may be, um, you know, the triceps, you know, so we, it's such a fine line, and the thing is, with that, is, you know, if you're not a big guy, you know, you want to fill up, but you don't have big glycogen stores. Your glycogen stores are smaller. And same with women, female, like, you know, be it. You know, with someone like a bikini athlete, you can get away with being overfull because you don't need the detail. The detail is actually the opposite of what's required. You want to have the shape, the line, but without the gyrations. Uh, wellness is a little bit drier still than your figure which you should be seeing some detail yeah. but not too much you know? so you know i think it's a little bit more complicated as you go up with female categories you know female <laughs> physique and you want yeah, pretty much detail but not too much and you know, female bodybuilding is back now so yes crazy but yeah so you know but you've got smaller you know, say, go back to big yellow storage containers, you know, you're, you're filling your storage up, but if you've only got a 20-foot container, don't try to stick 40 foots worth of goods into that container. It's as simple as that, you know, it's got to go somewhere, it ends up spilling out the front door. Yeah, I mean, from a, I think people who aren't bodybuilders, they're like, wow, this is some crazy, 
crazy science going yeah. on here. And, and it is. I mean, that's what bodybuilding is. You're manipulating every possible factor to look a certain way. Um, but it, it just shows across the board, whether you're a bodybuilder, you're a performance athlete, you're someone who's in the general yeah. population, you know, carbs are life. Carbs mm-hmm. are not the enemy. Carbs are your preferred fuel source. So hopefully from this podcast, by understanding kind of, you know, the different types of carbs, how your body uses carbs, you know, putting that with the cardio episode on your body's different energy systems and how carbs are, yeah, they're our body's favorite fuel source. You know, we need it for our brain. You need it to function. And eating excess carbs is not necessarily, you know, making you fat. It's overall calories if you're eating in excess that make you fat. So it's, it's calories in, calories out. Um, and, you know, there are no good carbs, there are no bad carbs. There's, there are low GI, there are the high GI. And, you know, when you're getting more into your performance, like, and also your aesthetics, when you eat them, does make a difference. Um, but we, we hope this episode has been useful to illuminate the wonderful world of carbs. And we will be doing a series on the other macronutrients as well. We'll talk about um, about fats um, and protein as well. And I think we will call it a day here on carbs. Mm-hmm. And um, on that note, we're going to go and eat some carbs, I think. I'm training today. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not training. <laughs> You're not training. Uh, low carb. I'm going to get two meals in before I train. So oh, I'm nice. going to train in my room today. Oh yeah, you're coming to the big city. Oh yeah, for I've yeah. got yeah, I've got to do some errands, so yeah. Where, where, where are you going to train? Probably I'm probably going to. I'm going to meet up with Nick, who's also yeah. trained by Ollie, and train by his gym in Westgate. Oh nice. It's, to be fair, it's a nice gym, but the equipment sucks. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's, it's nice. It's not I mean, that equipment's cool. a bit funny, and weird, and you know, it doesn't. It's a bit more Cute. looks and substance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's usable. Like we're going to do a leg day. I'd prefer to go somewhere with a really cool hack squat or pendulum oh, yeah. squat, but you know, we're doing leg press and we've got some leg extensions. We've got adductor machines. So I'm going to do his session, but add in a couple of extra exercises that I've got to do. So here we go. Nice. Oh, yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got legs too. I'm so I'm going to go and have some oats. I like to have oats like a couple of hours before I train. Um, and then there will yeah. be carbex during training <laughs> and then afterwards replenish. So. Carbs are not the enemy. Eat your carbs. But as always, knowledge is power. When you understand carbohydrates, you realize how important they are and how you can best use them to fit your lifestyle and goals. Indeed. 100%.